What's up and welcome back to Talking Yanks Sharp Stats. I am joined by always Katie Sharp, the queen of stats, and Jakey Story Ellie, Butterknife Stat Jester. The Jester of Stats. How Do you like that, Jake? I came up with that like three episodes ago. Thanks for joining us, man. Okay, the Jester of Stats. I still have you as the coffee getter. You intentionally give the bad stats so everyone else feels good. Guy. Yes. And that, that too, yes. <laughs> the Jester of Stats. How's everyone doing? We have the trade deadline, Katie. We haven't talked to you since the trade deadline. Everyone knows how Jake and I initially felt and how we feel now. So I want to hear what you, uh, what your initial reaction was, and are you still of that opinion, or have you talked yourself into another opinion? Where where are you with the deadline results? Well, initially, I was I was furious. I mean, I was absolutely I was blowing my mind that they did nothing. I mean, the, it was it was borderline. I was just going stir crazy, and then when it happened, it was one of the more deflating kind of moments that I've experienced in a while. Um, it, it was bizarre, too, because, you know, I, as I said on the podcast, I think in the past, I hadn't necessarily been so gung-ho about the need to get, you know, this high elite, you know, a starter or, you know, an innings-eating guy or whatever. Um, and when it became apparent that sort of the elite starters were not really going to be in our, you know, on our radar or not within our reach, I was like, okay, that's fine, you know, like, Cash will do his thing and he'll get us some awesome relievers and we'll just, you know, become the incredible Hulk bullpen um, like that and just crush everybody with that. And then when he did nothing with the bullpen, I was just, I was baffled. I was confused. I was hurt, you know. Oh, God, he hurt me. Um, <laughs> and so that, those were my initial feelings. But, you know, I had 24 hours, you know, I did the 24-hour rule. After 24 hours, I kind of was like, okay, you know, this isn't going to be so bad. Like, we do have a really, really, really good team right now. Um, and it, it's hard to deny that. And I sort of rationalized it by the fact that, um, and I think I read, I think this was in an article I read somewhere, that, you know, the way I looked at it was Cashman, okay. This was a good thing that Cashman did because he's saying, okay, I believe in this team. You know, I believe in the guys that we have already. I believe in the guys that we're potentially going to get back. And I believe this team can win. And we've already shown that we're, you know, one of the two best teams in, in, the, in baseball, the best team in the AL or one of the best teams in the AL um, with the current squad that we have. So I believe in this team. And then right. when you and I what I did is I kind of contrasted to like what the Red Sox did. They did nothing, right? And their GM went out and said, "Yeah, we did nothing because we really don't think we can win win the division this year and the wild card just isn't worth it and this team just isn't good enough." Like, that sucks. Like yeah. you want your GM saying that? I'd rather have my cash god or my my cashman saying, "Hey, this team is awesome. We believe in this team. Let's go." You know? Yeah. So that's how I rationalized it, got rid of my anger, and uh, feeling a lot better now. Yeah, I, uh, it's one of the one of the good and bad things about the way Jake and I do these podcasts. Like we record when the emotions are so raw. We were live during the trade deadline, and like what I said on that show, 
is I feel way different now because you sit back and you think and you try to like conjure up some yeah. rational thoughts. I mean, like last year when we lost the ALDS, Jake, like that was as sad as I've ever been. And it's on it's on record forever. So embarrassing to look back at. But uh, yeah. so it's nice to like for you, Katie, that you, you said you were so furious. Like next time we'll call you up and get your thoughts on the mic. Yeah, if you had called me like at whatever it was right after the Granky deal and at four fifteen or whatever on that um, on that day, yeah, I would have been I would have been you know stuff would have been coming out of my head you know the flames, <laughs> the fumes, um, and it would not you would have had to put the the NC seventeen sticker on this one um, yeah. because it would not have been would not have been pretty. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of Cashman saying. He's sticking with his guys, rolling with what we got. We're going to get uh, our our acquisitions are going to come from the injured list. Let's talk about the rotation that we have and what do we have and why is it worth sticking with or is it not worth sticking with? A little deeper dive into the rotation. What do you got for us on this? Where are we starting? So what I wanted to do was kind of look at, you know, What's the state of our rotation now? Like, how are we? Um, and I wanted to compare it to past teams that, you know, World Series winners and, and past teams that made the World Series. You know, how bad is this? Is this, is this normal? Is this not normal? Um, can teams still win the World Series, make the World Series with a rotation that looks like ours? Um, so I did two things. One thing I did is I kind of just looked at the numbers uh, the numbers that are adjusted for park and, and era and year and league so that we can compare them across different years, right? So I just looked at the numbers, and then I also looked at ranks, where the team ranked um, compared to other World Series winning teams. So I'll first start off with just the numbers. Um, and so what I did is I looked at fan graphs, and they have uh, era, year-adjusted uh, ERA and, era, and FIP, which is fielding, fielding independent pitching. Um, and right now the Yankees are about 3% worse than the league average in ERA and about 4% worse than the league average in FIP. So not just good. remember those numbers. Not good. That's not good. Yes, that would be not good. <laughs> so I'm like, well, can not good uh, teams like this still make the World Series and do pretty well? Um, and surprisingly, the answer is, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not, it's not a death knell right now. So I went back and looked at all the teams that made the world series. Um, I think I went back to, uh, last 10 years. Um, and, uh, so that's, you know, back to, back to 2009. Um, and in those two statistics, and I found some pretty comparable teams to what we're looking at right now. The first one that pops up is the Royals in 2015. They happened to win the World Series. They were 6% worse than the league average in ERA and 9% worse than the league average in FIP. Wow. This is, starting, this is their starting rotation. You go back one more year. You look at the Giants in 2014. They won the World Series, right? Um, their ERA was 8% worse than league average. Their FIP was 4% worse than the league average. Same year, the Royals, same situation. The Giants, again, were slightly below league average in 2012. The Cardinals in 2011 
Uh, we're exactly where the Yankees are right now, 3% worse than league average in ERA. Um, and then the Phillies uh, in 2009, who, you know, they made the World Series. <laughs> they didn't happen to win it, of course. Um, they were about 5% worse than league average in FIP. So you have a handful of teams just going back 10 years that either won the World Series or made the World Series that compared to the league average, compared to their that current year's run environment, they were about in the same state as the Yankees rotation right now. Uh, Katie, so, if, if this if this doesn't show kind of the current, well, I don't want to say the current state of baseball, but basically put this under sentences that would have never been said 10 years ago, but should we be eyeing that Kansas City Royals model? Because their bullpen in that playoffs was unbelievable. It, it, it genuinely was a five-inning game, and if they had the lead, it was over. I mean, I, I guess... So I, I guess maybe not offensively because that team was still kind of a scrappier what you picture the Royals team being a little bit. Maybe we're going to talk about that more later. But, I mean, should Yankee fin fans maybe hone in on that Kansas City team more? Because I'm just picturing people pointing at the Giants and saying, well, they had Bumgarner. Who cares about the rest of the staff? Where uh, the Royals, they were clearly built on that bullpen. Yeah, actually, the Royals are a really good comp um, for what this team is, and that I'll get to that in a minute. I mean, I can actually do that right now because um, when I did what I did for my second thing, I was talking about was how the team ranked um, relative to the rest of the league. This is just ranks, and what I did is I was just I was really curious. So I bet went back twenty years for this one, and what I wanted to do, I kind of broke up a team into three different parts. The starters, the relievers, and then the offense. And proxies for those ranks, what I did is I looked at starter ERA rank, I looked at reliever ERA rank, and then I look at run scored uh, rank. Pretty basic stuff. I know there's a lot more different, probably more complicated and more accurate ways to kind of measure the, uh, the productiveness and the effectiveness of those three areas, but this will do because, you know, that's what I got. Um, and so... What it is, I went back and I looked those 20 years, and it's really a mixed bag of whether you have the World Series winners have a either a high rank in starting pitching, a high rank in relievers, or a high rank in runs scored. And what I found on average is that the rank in starting pitching, the average rank for starting pitching was about 10. The average rank for relievers was about 10 as well. And the average rank in runs scored was about seven. Um, so right now the Yankees, they're currently 18th in starting pitching ERA, fourth in reliever ERA, and second in runs scored. So remember those numbers. Um, so they're basically, they're elite in two of the three categories. The one they're not is starting pitching. So I went back and looked at some of the starting pitching ranks. So if we go back and look at some of the starting pitching ranks, um, you know, last year Boston was eight, Houston was six, the Cubs were one. Then you get to the Royals in 2015, they were 22nd. The Giants in 2014, uh, and, and 16th. Uh, Boston in 2013, 11th. So basically you have this sort of mixed bag, and you can go back all the way. It kind of is, you know, on and off, a mixed bag of high-ranking starting pitching, low-ranking starting pitching, or, or middle-rank starting pitching. 
Um, and you see the same thing with the relievers. We go back to those Royals. They were second in reliever ERA. So we've got 22nd in starter ERA, second in reliever ERA. They were actually seventh in runs scored. Um, so they were a very a pretty productive offense. So that, to me, is pretty much like a lot like the profile of the Yankees um, this year, where you have this sort of mid, you know, not great, below average starting pitching, elite, elite relievers, and a good, very good offense. Um, so if people are saying, if people are worried about our starting rotation being able to win a World Series, it's been done many times before with a starting rotation this bad. Um, in fact, I looked up, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So nine of the 20 teams um, to win the world, the last 20 teams to win the World Series had a starting pitching ERA rank of 11th or worse. Um, so not in the top 10, basically, right? That's about half of them. I mean, it's what they do is they compensate with something else. Of those teams, almost all of them were top five in reliever ERA. So it's kind of a there's, a, there's a bit of a trade-off. There are very, very few teams that are able to be elite in both of those categories. Um, and then a lot of those teams don't even have as good of a, an offense that we have rank. Um, yeah. So this kind of, I think it just kind of debunks the myth that starting pitching is the one thing that you need to win a World Series because it just the numbers just don't bear it out. Uh, oh, oh, in the last 20 years. Do you, do you remember Jake or Katie, both of you? I'm looking at the 2015 Royals because we, you know, they're the closest comp to bullpen. I was looking at who their bullpen was. Do you remember any names? Well, I, I, I'm a, on that page too. Oh, you're looking at it too? Uh, oh, I'm not on it. I'm not on it. They had Soria, right? No. They had um, Brandon Finnegan. I remember that guy. The guy <laughs> he, was got, the, he got the call straight from TCU, basically. TCU, yep. yep I remember yep. that. I remember that. He didn't. I, I would have got. I I would have got Wade Davis. Yep. Oh, Wade Davis. Yeah. Um, and the other one I would have got was Kelvin Herrera. Kelvin Herrera. Yeah, that and, was the guy. Dude, I, I forget how to pronounce this guy's name. Luke. Uh, I'm gonna blow. I'm gonna butcher. Oh yeah. Ha- Hawk, oh yeah, Hokever, Hokever, like Ho- how do you say yeah. Hochevar. Those yeah. those three dudes, Hochevar, Herrera, and Wade Davis, they're, they they combined for thirty three innings pitched, or actually like thirty five innings pitched and one earned run in the World Series. Crazy. And I mean, let's and do we, that. We didn't even we didn't even say yeah. Greg Ho- Greg Holland was the closer uh, on that. Yeah, team. I mean, he was lights out back then. God. Um, Ryan Madsen, we geez, his recent playoff memories and oh and wow, I, I, Katie, you've led me into a, a hole I'm not going to be able to get out of the rest of the season with these 2015 Royals, uh, and the Yankees have a little bit of that magic on their team. They they've yeah. got one player from those 20 or they had one player from those 2015 Royals, the more Kendris, right? Kendris Morales. Yeah. So now it's all making sense why Kendry's Morales is impar- on the Yankees. His du- his magic dust, you know, kind of just he shook off all the magic dust and put it on the Yankees. Um, his well, but, hold on, 
His two rings are going to mirror each other very nicely. Yeah. You guys are not giving Terrence Gore any credit. Uh, well, he's not on the team yet. Well, yet. he's he's yet. his presence is in AAA. They know he's waiting there. They're like, we oh, got to yeah. get Terrence Gore to another postseason. That dude's got to steal some bases. Five Gore's stolen bases in his postseason career. He has played in nine games. <laughs> if I if I see Terrence Gore on the postseason roster over Mabin, Talkman, or else, I, I'm not hey. going to be in a happy place. Well, Jay, I don't know how they're going to fit him on, but they'll get him on. Terrence Gore has played in nine postseason games. Yep. Guess how many hat bats he has. Guess how many plate appearances he has. Three. Two. <laughs> and I think they were in extra innings, and like, it's insane. He has, yeah. Did he, yeah. Have, did he strike out in both? Uh, yes. Yes, he struck yes. out in both. But he has five stolen bases in his postseason career. So welcome to the yeah. Terrence Gore Hour. Finn Shredder. Yeah. Nice. The Terrence, um, the Terrence Gore, Kendris Morales Hour. Yep. Yeah. So basically, I think the biggest takeaway, kind of just to wrap things up, um, is that, you know, you don't need – starting pitching is not going to simply win you the World Series, a great starting pitching rotation. Um, a great relief, a great bullpen is not necessarily going to win you the World Series either, having just that one thing. Um, but what I found is that I looked at – so I compared – so uh, I, what I did is I compared whether the rank was higher in starting pitching or higher in runs scored. So I wanted to compare those two. And actually, 13 of those 20 had a higher, 13 of the past 20 World Series winners had a higher rank in runs scored than in starting pitching ERA. Which, I mean, take that for whatever you want, but it is sort of a good sign for this Yankees team, which we know has probably the best offense um, in the majors. I mean, right now they're only second to Boston, and if Boston makes the playoffs, that'll be a miracle at this point. Um, Yeah. But um, but that was really interesting, and like I said, the average ranking for those past twenty for those the average ranking in runs for the past twenty World Series winning teams was seven, and the average ranking in starting pitching for the past twenty World Series teams was ten. Not a big difference, but still something significant. Um, but you seem to one thing that I did find is that you have to be sort of elite in something, right? So. And the, the Yankees are obviously elite in two things. So I looked at of those 20 teams, the last 20 teams to win the World Series, all of them except for two were top six in either of those three categories, starting pitching ERA, relief pitching ERA, and runs scored um, were top six in the majors in those. So the only two teams were not that were not were the 2006 Cardinals who – you could say they were a bit of a fluke. I think, you know, they were a wild card and they kind of just made that incredible run. They had Albert Pujols, whatever. And then the other one was the 2000 Yankees. Um, they were they were pretty bad across the board um, in terms of rankings. So, um, so yeah, so those, are, so those are sort of my biggest takeaways. Just trying to walk people off the ledge when everyone just looks at our rotation and says it's trash and then mm-hmm. we'll never win the World Series because of it. Um, that's just not true. Yeah, it's 
but to to give like those people credit, like it is, it would be nicer if we had yes, studs. It would be, it would be nicer. It would be less stressful. It would be easier. Obviously, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's why the Red Sox last year were one of probably the best World Series winning teams that you know you can remember. They were eighth in starting pitching, ninth in relief pitching, and first in runs scored. I mean, that's it's very rare for a team to be top ten. Top nine in all three of those were a World Series winning team. Yeah, and I, I think the only other thing that that's jumping out kind of on the topic is uh, Jimmy. You mentioned your guy Luke Hochevar, big big Luke Hochevar episode. And during the regular season that year, he was he, he was okay. I think he had a three eight nine ERA or something like that. I clicked away, um, but I know he came up. He was a big starting pitching prospect, but it. You know, and and that could be something we don't know where Domingo is going to lead, and you might get a hint of that in this sharp stats or another sharp stats. But uh, when guys can find a role in the postseason that's different than the regular season that fits them a little better, and and we might see that with some of the Yankees pitchers. I'm actually interested. Like Avaldi found a role. David Price kind of came out of the pen versus the Yankees, right? No, versus Houston, he came out of the pen in a game, and that's when, like, he quote-unquote found himself and then morphed. Like, we will see someone, like Jake just said, and I'm interested in that and how it plays out. I don't think that we're going to be doomed by it. Again, I still love the discussion a couple sharp stats ago when Katie said, like, starting pitchers in the postseason, they don't have to be studs. They could go two times through the order, and then you hand it off to your bullpen. Especially with, you know, CC and Hap will go into a middle relief role. Maybe. We don't know. Someone will. Maybe Sebi's that guy if he's not a starter. There's so much to figure out. Yeah, the postseason is so different. I mean, not so different, but it is it is a different beast than the regular season. Yeah. You get you and you have an off day every every two days, right? You know? You never have to play more than it's I think usually more never more than three days in a row. I haven't looked at the schedule. I think it's um, three days because, like, but... the ALCS, it goes, like, it went two in Houston, yeah, three in New York, and then two. Two, three, four, yeah. So it can be yeah, three two, days three, in four. a row. But you're but... never pl- doing more than that, you know? Um, yeah. Whereas during the regular season, I mean, we've got a stretch right now where we got 19 games in 17 days. No off days. Um, it's nuts. So, yeah, it's 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 a totally different beast. Um, and that's why they say that, you know, Billy Bean, postseason is a crapshoot. But all you can do is put yourself in the best position to win that crapshoot. So, yeah. Well, a good way to win is for the offense to hit those pitchers, and I believe that's our next category or subject on this show. Is that sure? Houston got a lot of good pitchers right now, and we actually had someone call into the voicemail app that we recorded earlier today, Katie, and they said, you know. Verlander's numbers aren't that good against the Yankees. And to that, we responded, they are. They're just, there's like a couple years where he was bad and the Yankees slapped around. But since joining Houston, they're incredibly good. But they have Cole, they have Kurt, they have Granky now. I think you have something for us just on the type of pitching they might see in the playoffs and how our team right now fares against that style of pitching. Something along those lines, correct? Yeah. Yeah, sort of like that. So um, when I'm looking at the playoffs and, you know, different matchups, I kinda, I'm, this, we're looking really far ahead. Um, 
But when you look at matchups in the playoffs, a lot of times it can come down to the little things, you know, um, things that you may not be may not be apparent to like, a, you know, on, in a big picture. But these little advantages that teams might have over other teams um, can sometimes be really important. So what I did is I kind of picked out three different things um, that were sort of traits of the teams that we might see in the playoffs. And I narrowed that down to the Astros, the Twins, obviously um, leading the Central, the Astros leading the West, uh, the Rays as, you know, obviously holding them off in the AL East. And then maybe, you know, they were, you know, probably not a potential, um, maybe in the playoffs. Um, and then the Indians, potential second wild card team. And then uh, the Dodgers as the best team in the NL that we might see in the World Series. So those five teams, Astros, Twins, Rays, Indians, Dodgers. Um, and I found that they actually have a couple, there's, a, there's about three areas that I identified where most of them are pretty strong or have a strong tendency towards um, specific areas and are pretty strong in those areas. And those three things, um, and then they, the Yankees happen to match up really well in those three areas. Um, so this is sort of a bit of a positive spin. Um, and how we match up against these potential teams. The three areas I'm going to focus on are first is going to be uh, shifts. So teams that shift a lot. Um, those five teams shift a lot, or at least most of them do. Um, and then uh, hard-throwing relief pitchers. So identify those as teams that have relief pitchers with uh, the highest percentage of pitches thrown at least 95 miles per hour. So that's kind of a thing you see in the playoffs. Oh, man, you're going to get killed by these flamethrowers out of the pen, right? Yep. You want to be able to combat, combat that. And then the third thing is a, a little bit of a wild card, but I noticed is that all of the five teams throw a high percentage of curveballs, um, which I think is, a, is, a, is obviously a trend that we're seeing now is, you know, go with your best pitch, right? Teams say, hey, you got this awesome pitch, throw your best pitch, and curves are – are sort of becoming very popular and becoming more and more effective, especially with all the technology and pitch design. Um, so surprisingly, all all of these these five teams throw a high percentage of curves relative to the rest of the league. Um, so those three things are what I was looking at. So I will just throw out these stats and um, just to uh, to see how the Yankees match up with these teams um, in those three areas. So we'll start off with the shifts. Um, so this is pretty, this is pretty remarkable. So I looked at the percentage of plate appearances that teams shift other teams on. So this is from the perspective of those pitching teams, um, Houston first. So they have the highest percentage of plate appearances that they shift on Dodgers second twins, fourth Rays fifth, and the Indians are lower. They're much lower. They're 27th. So of the four of the five teams, four of them rank in the top five in the t not in the uh, the rate at which they shift, so um, it would be good if the y Yankees then were really good at shifts, and uh, no surprise they are one of the best teams um, against shifts. Uh, what I did is I like the to Yankees look at are? Two yes the one so by Yankees against hitting. shifts you mean like hitting around the shift that's played on them. Hitting around it, above it, into it, through it, whatever. So, so my uh, guess is, here's my my guess before we might have the answer. DJ, unshiftable, and they try sometimes. 
We've seen teams try to shift on Gardner, and he just goes wherever they aren't. And for the entire first two months of the season, they were shifting on Gary Sanchez, and he was just hitting home runs over their head. I'm going to say those help out these numbers a lot. Um. Well, you're close. Okay. See, the thing is, it, it's DJ just doesn't get shifted on, so he doesn't really factor into this. Ah, damn. So this is this is when this is when teams actually shift, and what happens in those plate appearances with a shift. Okay. Right. So that's kind of what I'm focusing. That's what you have to focus on here. Um, and so the two statistics that I looked at were uh, slugging percentage, because I like that because you don't batting average. I'm not as concerned about for shifts because a lot of times batting average is a little bit misleading because a lot of times shifts, what they do is they make team make players worse by making them hitting singles instead of home runs. Right. As they try, if they try to go to the opposite field, you don't want judge hitting singles instead of home runs or, or Gary. Right. Mm-hmm. So I looked at slugging percentage and then I looked at Woba, which is, you know, my favorite statistic because yeah. it, incorporate, it incorporates strikeouts and walks as well, and then it weights all the different uh, batting events um, accurately. So the Yankees overall against shifts, played appearances that, end, that have a shift in them, um, fourth in WOBA and fourth in slugging. That's really good. Um, so they're crushing the ball when they're shifting. So they're either hitting it over the shift, through the shift, for really hard for extra bases, and they're also they're not striking out a lot with a shift. They're 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 taking their walks and they're doing all the other little things, all you know, being very productive. And that's what that's what Woba captures. Um, and if you look at it, actually, among the guys that are shifted the most, well, not the most, but a significant number, Talkman, Judge, and Torres are the best at shifts. Hmm. Um. So Sanchez is very good as well. He's just below them. Um, but those three, uh, those four really stand out. Um, and specifically, uh, we are even better, our right-handed batters, um, with shifts. So that's, you know, that's kind of obvious with the Tories and when you see Torres and Judge there at the top and Gary as well. But we're second in WOBA by our right-handed batters against the shifts and third in slugging. So it's a little bit better in terms of the rankings um, our, our right-handed batters and all of those five teams as well, um, shift a lot on right-handed batters. So Katie, I, the four, I, I, the four I, don't, teams. I don't, I don't know if you have it easily accessible there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask about the other top teams in these categories because I mean, what's, what's initially jumping to my head is the fact that to beat the shift, the easiest way to beat the shift is a home run. And I, I'm, in my head right now, I'm I'm assuming because you mentioned that the Yankees still take walks and they're also they're hitting it well, but because they are a quality power hitting team, I would assume that brings them towards the top in this category. So I guess my guess would be that the Minnesota Twins would be towards the top because they've been hitting at a crazy rate th- this year. So I just kind of want to see if that checked out or if if that logic works or no. Yeah, the Twins. Um, I'm just pulling it up right now for. For slugging against the shift, um, but I'm pretty sure when I looked before, it was the Twins and the Dodgers and the Yankees, um, and then I can't remember which other team would have been ahead of them. Um, yeah, it's not letting me pull it up right now. But yes, the Twins and the Dodgers okay. were both at the top of those rankings in terms of hitting against the shift. 
Um, so yeah, so hitting home runs, it helps a lot, um, because they're obviously cannot be affected by the shift. Wait, home runs are so, good. Twitter, Twitter told me so many times last year that we didn't want those. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I have to, I'd have to consult my notebook to see yeah. if, if home runs are good. And the binder, uh, right? No, we, we hate the binder. I'll, I'll give Jim a little multiplier. Um, but because DJ LeMahieu doesn't get shifted on, you could put that as almost a plus, right? Like exactly, that's, yeah. That's bonus point. DJ LeMahieu's quote-unquote shift stats would be his normal numbers because you can't shift on him. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think what's interesting there is we, we've seen teams do stuff with Glaber. We saw the Rays do the four outfielder thing. That, that felt too mental for what Glaber tries to do at the plate. I wonder if teams are going to start doing the big righty shift on Judge because I feel like he slapped so many singles right where the second baseman should be. Um, and I feel like I've seen a couple teams lately switching on that. But but otherwise, I don't know if there's an adjustment to really be made because a lot of it is kind of power and quote-unquote controlling the zone driven with this. Yeah, I think one of the more interesting things would be to look at shit, how the Yankees have been shifted over time, you know, over over the course of a season, because you would think that the smartest teams would make adjustments. Um, but that's something I've never really looked at. But that's an interesting topic. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's mentally cracking me up right now that you can't shift on DJ LeMahieu. Oh, <laughs> it's, I told it's, you that stat. I'm pretty sure it's still true. He hasn't been really shifted on. I think it was. Did I say 2017 or or something? Well, they like did. That. They did a couple games this year, and I think outfield. he was like five for five or something like that. I think the only time he's been shifted has been in the outfield. How cool um, is it to be DJ LeMahieu and scan the defensive alignment? And like they never shift on you, but you just check it out, and then you see a shift, and you're like, "Oh, there's a hole at short." Here's a hit. I just hit it there, dude. Yeah. And then just hit it there. <laughs> Imagine being that um, good. Yeah, I'm. I'm picturing in a not not a shot fired when I say analytics nerds because I I I like joining you guys at the lunch table sometimes, but I'm picturing the analytics nerds in like Houston or the Dodgers, just f- trying to figure out a way to shift, and then they bring it down to the manager, and they're like, no, you don't shift on DJ LeMahieu because he just hits. Yeah. He's beating the sport. Yeah. He's better than us. Yeah, they probably, like, fucking hate it. Probably pour over the data. Where should we play our defense? Straight up? I think, I think it'll be interesting. Anymore. I think it'll be interesting because the Astros – are the only team that shifts on over half of the plate appearances. Um, if they continue to do that against the Yankees, if they're sta- if they know, or if you know, if they have the insights that the Yankees are actually pretty good at beating the shift, um, hitting against the shift, I think the answer is no. I think they're just you just stick with what you have, um, and say, hey, our stuff is better than your stuff, and just try and beat it. That would be my first inclination, but you know, you never know. And Katie, I, I don't know if we want to hit this topic quick or not hit it quick. Uh, you like you mentioned, Cleveland is still down there shift wise. Is there ha, has there been a counter argument to shifts, or is it that all of baseball has come around on shifts? Because I mean, you said the top teams: it's Houston, the Dodgers, etc. Like if if you if you were a team like Cleveland, like I guess why aren't you why aren't you shifting more, or is it 
just a shrug or what? I mean, I really don't know. I think you'd have to, I think that's really more of a, a, I think it is an organization specific thing. Um, and the analytics that they have, I mean, the thing is they're actually in the few shifts that they do use, they're really effective. Hmm. Um, they rank, so they rank third in opponent, uh, WOBA, uh, when they put a shift on. So in preventing hits. So they're, I mean, not hits, but, you know, preventing offense. So they're third. Um, no, the, the Dodgers are second. Houston is fourth. Um, Tampa Bay is fifth, and, and, uh, and the Twins are eighth. So all so those maybe, teams, they shift a lot, and they're really good at preventing um, offense when they do shift. Yeah, so maybe, and again, this is a little, little janky yeah. side tangent, but maybe Cleveland is just, they, they believe in shifting when the numbers are more confident in shifting, so that's why they have a high percentage or something like that. Okay, I, I'm I'm at grips yeah. with that. Nice. Yeah, and they and they have some pretty good defenders like by themselves on that right side of the infield. You know, Lindor or Ramirez are are known as pretty good defenders. Um, so, um, so that could be a thing. It could also come down to the pitchers. They don't feel comfortable with the shifts or or whatnot. Um, but it is a pretty you know it's an organization specific thing. I think. The Yankees Talkman like praises their shift guy. I forget who it is, mm-hmm. but he's praised yeah, him a lot. I think I saw like, that. He yeah, always has me in the right spot. It's crazy. Be cool. Yeah, I don't know what kind of player I'd be if I was always in the right spot. Probably better. <laughs> Imagine it he's helps. gonna he's gonna hit it right here. Okay, best offensive player you've seen. No, that's not true. If I knew exactly where they were going to hit it every time, just catch it, Sandlot style, I'm I gold. still don't think he'd be the best offensive <laughs> player ever. Name because, Jimmy O'Brien. Uh, <laughs> what happened to Clint, though? I mean, he got the oh. same information. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Hot take there. Hot sharp, take. sharp <laughs> stats. <laughs> Get the knife out of your back, Clint. Yeah. Yeah, he put it on himself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Was there was shifting was the one thing. The next thing was curveballs. So you're saying we're a little better than the time Lance McCullough shoved twenty curveballs down our throat in a row in 2017. Yeah, we we might have a little bit better of a chance. Um, so so yeah, so I looked at at curves. And actually, all these teams are in the top, as I mentioned before, I think I did, um, all five of these teams are in the top 10 in percentage of curves thrown um, this season. Uh, Dodgers third, Rays fourth, Astros fifth, Twins sixth, and Indians ninth. And that, those are major league rankings. Um, so these guys are going to throw these, these bendy things, probably in a lot of different counts, too. Um, and they're all very good in terms of uh, limiting, you know, opponents' offense as well with these curves. Um, I talked about opponents, Awoba. The Rays rank second, the Dodgers fourth, uh, the Astros fifth, the Indians seventh. Um, the Twins are not as good. They're 24th. But, um, but those other teams, very effective with the curves that they do throw. And now we have the Yankees, who what I did here is I, I looked at some of this, those similar statistics they are fourth in weighted on base average, WOBA, um, against curves. Second in batting average, so they're putting the ball in play as well. And they have the fourth lowest swing and miss rate against curves. 
which I think is is very important because that can be a killer. You know, if you don't make contact, that can kind of erase a lot of the effectiveness of the offense because, you know, it's great to slug a thousand, but if you're only making contact 10% of the time, it doesn't matter really. But they only whiff swing and miss for uh, the fourth at the fourth lowest rate. Um, and they're putting the ball in play second, second highest batting average. And it's effective with the fourth highest WOBA. So very good against curves. And these teams all lean heavily or, you know, have a high rate of throwing curves. So I think that's another matchup where the Yankees really, you know, they can leverage that advantage um, when they face these teams in the playoffs. Good to know. Remember when the curveball kind of was like out of style and then it got brought back? Like sliders went so big, I feel like the curveball kind of went away and now it's back. Curveball is the best pitch in baseball. Just to let you know, Jake. Whoa, disagree strongly. Yeah. Uh, Good you saying change knuck- up? Are you kidding me? Saying knuckleball? Good change, man. You like a good changeup over a curveball? Oh, yeah. You know Easy. what actually is my favorite pitch? It's like a Bartolo two-seamer. Yeah. A front hip it's two-seamer. Effective. That's like the coolest pitch. Canely's changeup, yeah. How are, how are they against Canely's yeah. changeup? <laughs> well, hey, Canely blew that good. game. Do you think Canely has any, like, not revenge or finished business? Mariana Rivera blew the game like two years prior, like he says he cried on the mound during 2003 because he blew 2001. It was two years prior. I just realized I was going through game seven. Canley's the one that gave up three runs, really. They didn't score any, the Yankees, so it's not really on Canley. But do you think he's got like, and then last year he wasn't part of it, do you think he's got, if he gets to the playoffs, we're going to see kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not. Yeah, I think I'm doing a breakdown on it because he's broke a bunch revenge. of stuff. Revenge? Why not revenge? Did you see him in the in the dugout after he after he gave up that home run? Was it last night? Two yeah. nights. I mean, he was just he was furious. Um, he's got fire. I mean, this guy, this yeah. dude is he's got fire. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't yeah. know if I need playoff Canley thinking he it's needs to go like in with you. any extra motivation because that might just be. There might be too like many off his back. flowing like through his one playoff, His one playoff memory right now, his last playoff memory is blowing it, and he wants to Focus. redeem. Redemption. That's the word I'm looking for. Redemption. Drive? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm excited for it. Yeah. I'm getting so excited for the postseason, and we have two months to go. Oh, we don't even know what the, yes. the, what the I can what see the him as a big redemption like. guy. But now that I know they hit curveballs, they're great against the shift, and the rotation, and we don't even know what the, the what the what the team's going to look like. But now that I know they hit curveballs, they're great against the yeah. shift. And the rotation is only going to, you know, not going to get enough innings to really damn them. I'm pumped up. Yeah, I got one more for you. This is this is actually the best one. Um, I, talk, I mentioned, you know, hard-throwing relievers, right? Those bullpen guys. Everyone says, oh, in the playoffs, you got to be you got to be able to hit the bullpens. And all these guys are coming out throwing flames, throwing, you know, 95, 97, 100 or whatever. Um, So, you know, that's one of the things I was like, I'm going to look at this because this could be a key matchup for the Yankees um, in the postseason. And so when I looked at percentage of pitches thrown uh, by teams 
um, that were 90 teams bullpens. So percentage of pitches thrown by teams bullpens that were uh, 95 miles per hour or higher. Houston has the third highest percentage, their bullpen. The Rays were eighth highest. The Dodgers were 10th highest. And then the Twins and Indians were actually uh, lower. They don't really have many hard throwers in their bullpen. But if you just focus on those other three teams, Houston, uh, Tampa Bay, and the Dodgers, um, that's, you know, that's, that's very significant. Um, those, are, those are definitely three teams that we probably could see in the playoffs. And the Yankees, do they like, do they like to hit, hit, hit the high heat? Um, they have the highest slugging percentage, the highest WOBA, and the second highest batting average against 95 mile per hour or higher pitches in the majors. So they can bring all they want. They can, you know, trot out those flamethrowers, but the Yankees have proven this season that they're able to hit that, those high velocity pitches. Um, and they're only, they're not, they're not striking out a lot either. They're about league average and strikeout rate on those pitches, uh, plate appearances that end with those pitches. So, um, so yeah, so I think that's another area where the Yankees seem to be set up really well um, in matchups uh, in the playoffs against those teams. And I, I don't know, the, the phrase that's jumping out to me, Katie, when you tell me we're okay, good, we're, okay, we're good against shifts, we're good against off-speed pitches in the zone, we're good against fa- fast, <laughs> fast fastballs, 95-mile-per-hour-plus fastballs, <laughs> it sounds like, and it starts to make sense when you understand when Aaron Boone says something like, control the zone. Whether, whether it's a fastball, whether it's a curveball, if it's in the zone, the guy, the group of guys we've assembled can handle those pitches. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of someone this year who, whether like Greg Bird last year against the 95 plus mile per hour fastballs, he was dead in the water. Um, it felt like a couple of our big power hitters last year, if they got thrown a good off speed pitch, they felt a little dead in the water. It seems like they've put a focus on that. That if you could find either of these pitches in the zone. We have guys that can that can handle those, so that's why you heard for the first month of the season, control the zone. Yeah, I mean, every pitcher, most pitchers are going to make mistakes, right? And it's whether you can wait until they make that mistake, whether you can figure out what that mistake is, um, and then take advantage of it. And that we have a lot of guys who can do that right now. Yeah, I was going to say it was Bird, and it was it was Talkman earlier this year when he was just. Like, I don't know, yeah. uncomfortable, not not comfortable in the box in the MLB where he swung through some 90-mile-per-hour pitches. You're like, dude, what are you doing? But that's no longer. Yeah. Right. I, don't, yep. I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I mean, I was thinking, like, who was – I was searching for someone, like, all right. It was, like, Geo. It's like, nah, Geo's been lighting up everyone. Geo is really good. Um, DJ, very good against these high-velocity pitches, obviously. And Aaron we have Judge, a lot of guys that are good with two strikes. Good. Yep. Geo, DJ. Yeah. Um, all very effective uh, in these situations. Glaber's a good two-strike hitter, too, I believe. Or am I wrong? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he is. I, I, I hadn't looked at his numbers recently. I know Gio is the god with two strikes. Yeah. Um, so. All right, we have, we have one more topic to discuss. I think we have enough time to do it quickly. And that's this is something that the casual fan keeps telling me nonstop, is that the bullpen's overworked, the bullpen's overworked, we did this once on Sharp Stats, and let's just come back to it and see. Katie, 
has the bullpen. The last time we checked in, the bullpen was not overworked. Boone was doing a fantastic job, Boone and the nerds, making sure that no guy was overworked. Have they kept it up? Has the starting pitching being bad uh, ruined things? Have they, uh, or has Boone found a way to go around it even with the shorter starts? What do we got? Is the bullpen overworked? Well, so far, I mean, Boone has worked his magic, and it's been pretty remarkable. They are still, they are the only team in the majors right now that has not used a reliever more than two days in a row. To me, that is the biggest stat in terms of overworking. Um, Because, you know, you can look at innings pitched, and I will in a minute, and you can look at number of appearances, and those things, you know, maybe they do add up. But to me, the biggest worry for relievers is not getting rest, is not getting that chance to recharge, right? I mean, if, if you can, you can throw a hundred innings, but if you have a chance to recharge in between all of those innings, I think that's, you know, that's not as bad, um, as throwing, you know, 80 innings and going several days in a row when you don't get to recharge. So I think that the fact that they have not used a reliever more than two days in a row, the only team that hasn't done that, that is huge. They have the sixth fewest appearances on zero days rest. So that's just total appearances on zero days rest um, in the majors right now. Those two stats are Boone saying, hey, we're going to give you rest. We're not going to go to you now because we want you to be able to sort of recharge your batteries. Um, and I think that's those. If, if you're going to look at two stats um, to show that they have not been, if you want to make the argument that they have not been overused, that would be those. Um, and then just in terms of innings pitched, I kind of see it as well. They have one guy in the top 30 of innings pitched uh, individually this season, and that's Luis Sessa, who you can make the excuse, well, that's sort of his job. <laughs> you know, he's supposed to pick up these bulk innings. Um, he's supposed to be that mop-up guy, although he's been pitching well. You know, that's maybe some another topic to, to think about. But, um, but, yeah, he's the only one in the top 30 in, in innings pitched. And then... If you look at sort of the next 60, so 31 through 90, we actually have five of those guys. But those are sort of reasonable. That's what I would deem more reasonable um, amounts of innings pitched. Um, so we have five of those, and that's tied for the most in the majors in that sort of ranking group. Um, so overall, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem like they've been overused this season. You know, you can maybe look at projections and say, oh, well, they have a bunch of guys who are projected to throw over 70 innings, and and that's blah, 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 blah. They're probably not going to get to that because, you know, as the rosters expand, as the Yankees sort of build up that lead, they can they can rest their relievers a lot more, so they probably won't get to the 70. Um, and like I said before, you can accumulate 70 innings, fine, if you're able to recharge your batteries in between those innings. Yeah, and yeah. Katie, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you landed there because that was the biggest thing going through my head because those stats are great and shows that we're not really overworking the bullpen. But more importantly, when we build this division lead and the season winds down, I mean, they might even, A, you could refresh a bullpen guy and – with, with like a clean week if you really wanted to. But I I wouldn't be surprised if you see those guys get really scheduled out, pitching every second or third day for a little bit, mm-hmm. just, just so they stay sharp, but also get them the rest they need. But I, I think it is, I, I think those stats are impressive because 
like like we started this show talking about the Yankees relying on their bullpen uh innings wise and actual usage wise it's not that it's it's not out of hand at all no um and I think you know that's that's definitely a misconception and I think it's a it is a tribute to Boone the fact that he is stuck with this this plan um even though the fact that the rotation <laughs> most of the times it isn't giving them more than five innings, you know, maybe six innings per start, you know, on a rare occasion. Um, so I think that that is a testament to Boone. And another thing that I really want to praise Boone is for is matching up his reliever usage with the best relievers as well. Um, that's kind of the final point here is that one thing I one thing you can look at is a stack called leverage index. And I think I've mentioned this before, but what it basically does is it measures how important is the plate appearance. Is this a high pressure? Is this a low pressure plate appearance? Um, obviously, high leverage, high pressure, low leverage, low pressure. Um, anything above one in this index is considered high pressure. Anything below is considered lower pressure, below average pressure. So the top five in leverage, average leverage index during their appearances this season, this is just among relievers for the Yankees. So the top five are Adam Adovino, Zach Britton, Araldis Chapman, Chad Green, and Tommy Canely. And those are obviously obviously your five best relievers. Yeah, and so uh, your the five last best relievers. The last are time we did this, the Holder was pressure number, situations. Holder was yes. number one the last time we did this, and it was the biggest bad going. We just exactly. kept putting Holder in the highest leverage situation so he is getting the open tonight although it looks like it might get rained out oh okay it's storming um but oh really yeah but yeah i mean that's good that's good the, the bullpen is not overworked as of now please as of stop now stop yes. spreading that like wildfire you want to see an overworked bullpen go watch joe tory's bullpen management <laughs> <laughs> Go watch Flash Gordon and Scott Proctor's careers end Scott come Proctor. September. Yeah. Tori fell in love with a guy and just boom, boom, boom. That's my dude. That's my dude. It's crazy. Crazy. All right. I think we just have one, one thing left to do, and that is the sharpest stat. Or you want to do Jake's butter knife stat first? What We're do you doing want? The sharpest stat. Butter butter knife stats right. are just a happening. They happen throughout the episode. Katie's sharp stat is bam. All right. All right, let's go. Let's see if I can drop the mic here. Um so a lot of choices this week. Obviously, it was a very good week. The Yankees were winning, winning a lot, winning by big numbers. Um, but I got a lot of requests, so I had to I have to uh, to please the tweeps, the Twitter, the Twitter the population out here. So it is a Mike Talkman stat, um, and what I really focused on. I know it's a, I know we're already into a week into August, but I just had to look. I did this stat for Mike Talkman in July, which was probably just when he caught fire. Absolutely caught fire. Um, he was uh, he was called up for the uh, that series in London, sat out a couple of days, and then. Um, and then pretty much has been not a regular player, but a semi, mostly a regular player or semi-regular player uh, since the beginning of July. So these were his numbers in July. He had a 423 batting average and a 750 slugging percentage. <laughs> uh, 
those were pretty good. He had, um, I forget how many, it was about 50 or 60 plate appearances. So what I looked up is, so what guys have done that in any calendar month for the Yankees? Um, those two numbers um, with at least 50 plate appearances. And in the last 30 years, so going back 30 years, only two other guys have put up at least a 420 batting average and a 700 slugging percentage in a single calendar month, any month. Um, the, that would be Bernie Williams in June 2001 and Bernie. Paul O'Neill in April 1994. Bernie and Paulie are the two guys in the last 30 years to do what Mike Talkman did in this July in terms of batting average and slugging. Pretty good. And then what I did is, uh, so then I was like, okay, well, let's just get fun. Let's have a fun stat here. What other Yankees have done it in July, right? Middle of the season, hot summer, July. You can do that. Two other guys, two other Yankees have done it in July. Joe DiMaggio and Babe Ruth. <laughs> they did it multiple times, but Joe DiMaggio and Babe Ruth and Mike Talkman are the guy, the Yankees that have had at least a 420 batting average and a 700 slugging percentage in the month of July with at least 50 plate appearances in that month. That is insane. Mikey T, baby, yeah. Good for Mikey yeah. T. That July part felt a little butter knifey, but it's an awesome. It, fact. It's a, I said it's a fun fact. It's a little butter yeah. knifey, but when you can put Mike Talkman in the same sentence as Joe D and the Babe, you, you kind of have to, you know. It's where he deserves to be. Give me, give me that Paul O'Neill, Bernie Williams, Mike Talkman outfield, baby. Yeah, that would be awesome. Woo! Do it. It's pretty fun. Paulie and Talkman are getting, like, amped up together, and Bernie just could not care less. Sleep. <laughs> they have fun. Yeah, those two have fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that ends it. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. As always, go tweet at Katie. Katie, where can they find you? At KT. KT Sharp. KT, the letters KT, Sharp. Go tweet That's at Jake. you at Talking Snakes. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Give us a rating and a review. And most importantly, go Yanks. Tell them, Grams. Go Yankees.